Welcome to Mountain Grace, the weekly sermon from John White, priest at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Camillus, New York. This week, we drop into Jesus' interrogation by Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of Judea. Jesus answers his accusers by saying that his kingdom is not of this world. What are we to make of this answer, and what might that mean for our lives? the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Judeans? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I'm not a Judean, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Judeans. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king? For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Today we're celebrating the Feast of Christ the King, which is the last day of what we call ordinary time, the the time of the church year after Pentecost. Next Sunday is the beginning of Advent, this season of, of waiting and anticipation. But today we're celebrating the Lordship of Jesus. And as these kind of celebrations go, this one is a fairly recent addition to the calendar of celebrations. In fact, it's, it only dates back to 1925. Pope Pius added this celebration in response to the growth of fascism and communism and nationalism in his own day in the period after the First World War. And he could see that the violence unleashed in that great cataclysm was going to continue. And he wanted to remind people that our ultimate allegiance lies with Jesus. So he, he began this celebration of Christ the King, which our tradition has also taken up. And I think it's, it's helpful for us to be reminded that our ultimate allegiance is not to any power of the world, but to Jesus. But what I want to do, I want to focus for a minute on on the temptations of Jesus. If we remember in the gospel story, Jesus at the beginning of his earthly ministry goes to be baptized in the Jordan River by John. And immediately after his baptism, the Spirit leads him into the wilderness for a period of 40 days where Jesus fasts and is tended to by the angels, the gospels tell us. But in the midst of that time in the wilderness, that time of 
privation and difficulty and suffering. Jesus is visited by the deceiver who offers him three opportunities, three temptations, we usually call them. And the first, of course, is Jesus is hungry. He's in the wilderness. He has no food. He's been fasting. And he says, Jesus, you know, if you're the son of God, why don't you just turn these rocks into bread and eat your fill? And Jesus says, no, no. You know, man does not live by bread alone. Jesus recognizes the value of this spiritual experience in the wilderness. And he will not set it aside for his own personal comfort. And next, the tempter says, Jesus if you really want people to believe in you, you should show them that you're the son of God. You should climb to the highest tower of the temple and leap off because the angels will tend to you. They will take care of you. And Jesus says, no, it's, it's not right to test our God. And finally, the tempter says to Jesus, Jesus, if you will but acknowledge my power, my sovereignty, I will grant to you lordship over every human nation and tribe. And again, Jesus says, no. But you know what's really interesting about these temptations is they aren't temptations to things that, that are like naughty, right? This is not like a temptation for Jesus to run off with some lady to New Orleans, right? These are temptations that, that interestingly are all things that Jesus actually ends up doing. Because we remember another time in the wilderness when thousands were drawn to Jesus' message and they came to hear him. They follow him everywhere. Thousands had gathered and it was getting late and there was no food. And taking only a few loaves and some fishes, Jesus fed thousands. Just like turning stone into bread, Jesus created a feast for thousands of people literally out of nothing almost. And likewise, when Jesus is arrested and he stands before Pilate and he's condemned for treason and he's sentenced to torture and a brutal, horrifying execution on the cross, Jesus does not use his powers to get out of it. When the, when the chief priests stand at Jesus' feet and mock him, he trusts in God. He knows that God's power can transcend the pain that he is experiencing. And Jesus has proven right that even though Jesus dies, death itself cannot stand against the power of God's love and mercy. And Jesus is resurrected, the first fruits of the resurrection which we will participate in. And of course, because of that resurrection, because of Jesus' faithfulness, because of Jesus' being a person of the Trinity, God incarnate on earth, Jesus doesn't need to acknowledge the power of the deceiver to be Lord of all, Lord of lords, King of kings. And so all of the temptations that Jesus are offered, all of the opportunities, all come his way anyway. And so I think this teaches us something really important about how God works in the world. And it also reminds us that the means matter. How we achieve things matters. That it's not just the goals. It's not just the ends. But how we go about it matters. And Jesus teaches us and reminds us on this feast day of Christ the King, 
that there is a difference between power and authority. That power is all about the coercive imposition of our wills on others. It's all about putting ourselves first and looking for self-aggrandizement or self-comfort. It's about lifting ourselves up and putting ourselves at the center of the universe, the place that is actually occupied by God. Jesus, as far as I can recall, never imposes his will on others. That's not how God works. That God does not seek to have people follow him through force. And what Jesus tells us when he tells us that his kingdom is not of this world is not to say that the kingdom is not present in this world, but it does not operate by the same rules as this world. That all of the powers of this world operate essentially through coercion, through, through the raw exercise of violence at its root. And what Jesus says is that if you want to follow me, if you want to live in my kingdom, you can't live by the world's rules. You need to understand that God is at the center. And that when you trust in God, when you put your faith in God's power, nothing, not even death, can overcome it. And that when we gather together as Christ's people, and we live in Christian community, we have the opportunity to live in that kingdom. Not something that's going to happen to us in a far distant future, but right now we are invited to live in the kingdom of God, to show mercy, to show love. Love to God and all of God's creation and love especially to our neighbors. And Jesus also reminds us that there are no boundaries to the definition of who is our neighbor. There are not those who are not our neighbor. We are called to love and serve the world. And so on this day, Christ the King Sunday, we are reminded of that, that, that if we choose instead to be complicit in the systems of the world, if we choose to, to maybe bend the rules a little bit to achieve something really good, if we think that we can achieve goodness through evil, we are deceived. We have given in to the temptations of the deceiver. Because the good things that happen in this life all come from God. And Jesus invites us to remember that and to hold no other allegiance, no other power, no other system or belief higher than our faith in God. And when we do, we live in that glorious kingdom. And then nothing, absolutely nothing, can stand between us and the love of God. Amen. Such a feast as man.